Friday, and welcome to Minute 160 of The Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into The Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again, our guest from the entire week, is Hugh Keen from the National Treasure Minute. Welcome back, Hugh. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm uh, thankful it's Friday, and it's near the end of the, it's near the weekend. <laughs> Wait, were you thankful that we're not going to stop talking about The Great Escape? Or oh no! Just about the weekend itself. No, oh, I would, you know, I would talk about the Great Escape every weekday. Oh, okay. All right, that's <laughs> that, that's a relief. I thought that that you were getting a little sick of talking about the Great Escape with me, so I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> so episode one sixty begins with Roger leaning across the leaning against the corner of the building on the side of the end of the street, and <laughs> goes all the way till we get to see Preston. Letting out his say and beginning to speak. So, as we've been discussing all week, Roger is trying to uh, avoid getting captured by the uh, Germans who were uh, after him after uh, Mac made his slip up earlier this week. Finally, he feels that yesterday one of the things was he was able to convince a German officer and the soldiers around him that he is a German citizen and there's just no reason why they need to be suspicious of him. And right after that, he comes to the end of the street, leans up against the the wall, seems very happy and relieved that he's finally made it and is safe. And then he hears a voice from behind him that calls out his name, Herr Bartlett. Mm -hmm. You see the fear on his face. He takes a few breaths, but he realizes that he's done for. There's nothing else that he can do to get out of this. He, He avoids turning around a little bit until we have a few more seconds of him you know, contemplating his predicament, but he knows that there's nothing else he can do. And then he folds up the paper that he's looking and turns around. Yep. Which doesn't, like, wouldn't, if you were really trying to sell that you weren't this person that they think you are, wouldn't you just not respond if you heard your English name? That is very true. But also, this one thing I want to ask you, since I know you're the authority on this movie, um, the authority, I wouldn't yep. say, but I'm, I'm among them. <laughs> is uh, is this Gestapo officer from earlier in the movie, or is this the first time we see him? This is the first time we see him. Okay, that's what I thought, but I, I knew I was going to sound dumb. Yeah, this is I, an SS officer he, that we've, we've never seen before. Okay. Now, I've always found this scene completely hilarious because of the fact that this actor looks so much like John Lovitz from Saturday Night Live and a lot of other okay. things. Yeah, he does look familiar. Uh, it's not him, obviously, because John Lovitz yeah. was quite young in 1962 when they filmed this movie. So it, it isn't right. him, he does look similar. but he does look like him, which, which always cracks me up. Mm-hmm. Especially the way that he speaks makes it sound as if he's you know doing a John Lovitz. Yeah. I mean, John, John Lovitz was born in 1957, so he was five. So this is definitely not John Lovitz. He does seem very full of like it, it seems like he's playing the, a character. Like yes, he seems very full of himself. <laughs> yeah. Now the German officer at, then says "Ich heißen Freulich." Okay. Now I tried looking that up, and anyone out there who understands German that might be able to correct me, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear from you by any of the social media to explain. What exactly he says, because the only translation that I was able to find is him saying, my name is Happy, which makes no sense whatsoever. I'm not really sure. I mean, I mean, he could just be saying, like, I am happy. But why would he say that? Because he found him, because he, you know. No, but this is. Wait, are you saying Bartlett Bartlett says says this? this? Oh, okay. Bartlett says this too, Mm. which doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah, that does make sense then. <laughs> and the response that the German officer gives is, your German is good. And I also hear that your friendship, which shows that, again, we, I've mentioned this a few times this week, and I'm, you know, I've mentioned a lot in this uh, discussion of the movie in general. They really were able to mess up the works by, by causing the escape. I mean, the fact that this random German officer knows so much about Bartlett at this point that he knows uh, that, that he's, you know, good in German and good in French, even though he, maybe he just heard it from the Gestapo guy that we, that we saw earlier this week. It's possible, yeah. but still, to know that information so quickly is, you know, says, says how much, you know, how high he was on, on their wanted list. Mm-hmm. That they wanted to make it, and when he says this, he really does. Once again, sounds like John Lovitz, and you know, <laughs> looking like it is great, also. And at this point, he pulls out his gun, mm-hmm. and then in a very comical way, he goes, "Your arms up," yep. which is just a very strange way that someone would would actually say this. Bartlett at this point is aware of the fact that uh, he's beaten, and he basically raises his hand in surrender. And you see, the, you can see the fear on his face again, which. As we know, Bartlett is, throughout the entire movie, is fearless. And at this point, we see that he's finally, you know, he's he's done for. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that we discussed yesterday was this, this red thing behind him. So we get a yeah. little more of a look at it, but I still can't figure out what it is. Yeah, can't either. It doesn't make any sense because it looks as if there are pieces of wood behind it. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Is it possible that it's a window to get into some sort of store or something like that? You know, that like maybe this is maybe maybe they, they sell things through a window. Again, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm I just giving a guess. And it's, it's just boarded, boarded up. up. He's boarded up. Uh-huh. You know, as we said, Rogers caught raises his hands in defeat. Now, one of the things I wanted to mention all week that I decided to wait until today to, to discuss is how how this whole scenario of Roger and Mac escaping plays out in the original script. In the original script, it's pretty much half a page. It's done very shortly. We have the scene where they're trying to get up on the, the bus, and they have the conversation with, with the Gestapo officer. And then as soon as Mac says thanks, I mean, first of all, the Gestapo man says, good luck, chum. He doesn't even just say good luck. He throws in the word chum. <laughs> Donald then says thanks, okay. and that's it. They get caught. There's no mention of them running. There's no mention of them, you know, uh, knock, get, Mac getting knocked over by a bicycle. There's no Bartlett running, running across the roof and putting his hands on barbed wire. There's no two other officers stopping and questioning Bartlett. So I, I found that very interesting. I mean, I, I don't know the answer to this, but but there, there obviously was a lot of work done between the original draft of the script and the final script of, you know, the fact that they've added now pretty much almost five minutes of, or let's say four full minutes, yeah, uh, because we had Cedric at the beginning of the week also, which again, according to the original script, that wasn't even Cedric. That was a character named Mary Vale, who doesn't appear at all in the movie. Cedric actually, the character named Cedric gets gets caught in the shot in the original script. So they they switch they really? switch that around also. Yes, Cedric in the original script does a lot of things that Cavendish does. Okay, so they switched around. I guess who says what and uh, how they do it, what they do along the way. So no, that's just interesting. It's an interesting discrepancy. That they have. Well, maybe that explains why this scene's such cut, like the way it is, and shots like in so many different, like it looks like time, uh, like diff times or like different street areas, and it's like almost pieced together because maybe they, maybe they had the full, 
maybe they had the full cut of the movie done based off the script and they were like, well, we need something here. And they looked at this part of the movie and they, maybe they were like, well, this wasn't spectacular enough of a, like of them getting captured. And so make it more thrilling. Yeah. And so they went out and they were like, well, we can just shoot these scenes in two days and they just shot the footage and then they just stuck it together. And that's why it's sort of, some continuity issues could be and it would also ex- explain what you were saying about the the line of people at the bus because maybe they shot it first and the first time they shot it they just had them get caught and then they were like oh we need to redo the whole bus scene now because they're going to run away and that's why they had to get more more people i'm not sure mm, but that could be that, that's a great theory i like that Thank you. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the script that I have is from April 26, 1962. It's a version of the script by James Gravel. So, you know, and we know that they, they filmed this not long after in 1962. So maybe just even just a few months later where they... I mean, there are a lot of discrepancies between the, the this original this version of the script and, and the movie itself, which I've discussed mm-hmm. throughout the course of, of this whole podcast. I've mentioned a lot of them. Not all of them, but you know, anyone who wants to get a copy that you can find a copy online of this script also if you if you want to sit down and read the whole script okay um, and so at this point we we then get a switch of the scene and we get to see Prison and Dietrich we get to see Dietrich on the phone and Prison is sitting at a desk looking at various documents trying to figure out what is going on and then the the phone rings and Dietrich answers mm-hmm. the phone finds excellent in German which is Ausgezeichnet something like that once again, I apologize to all my German listeners who will, will see how I have been completely gargling and boggling and <laughs> destroying the German language. So I apologize for that. And he, he then, Dietrich looks at Priesen and doesn't even say to him what's going on. You know, he's, he's excited about something. He gives him a look and then he pushes the, the button on the, the, the little contraption on the, on the desk in order to, I guess, it's a, it's a door buzzer at this point. Mm-hmm. Then, he, then he puts his hat on, which, which I found really interesting because I guess yep. he wants it to, something to be done in a much more formal way, you know, in a respectful way where he puts on his hat. He doesn't tell uh, Prayson to put on a hat, but he, he puts his on. You know, he holding, I also love the way he's holding his gloves in his hand. You know, as we, we've seen a lot of movies with Nazis. You know, they're always holding gloves in their hands as opposed to having to wear them. For whatever reason, and then we get a shot. The door opens. Yeah, <laughs> we see Bartlett enter, and he's standing with uh, an actor named Carl Otto Alberti. Have Have you ever seen him before? Okay, um, let me look at him again. He's in the hallway with him. Okay, have you ever seen the movie Kelly's Heroes? I cannot say I have seen that man before. So he plays the the German tank commander. I don't know. Ends up uh, joining in with the crew of trying to break into this bank to steal all the gold. So I I just love the fact that you actually recognize him here. You know, he doesn't have very much to do in okay. the movie. He's in this scene, and then uh, he's in another <laughs> scene towards the end of the movie, and that's it. That's funny, because he's like, because of just all the other people that seemingly have bigger roles not being credited. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and he's, maybe, he's, maybe he's credited on IMDb because of the fact that, that it's an actor that, that's easily recognizable. That makes sense. You know, it could be. Because it, it's mentioned yeah. on IMDb that, that, that he's uncredited. You know, it's, okay. it's not as if they, they say that... Oh, actually, no, he is credited. I apologize. There's oh. there's one British officer that's uncredited. He's actually credited. I see. Maybe, maybe he was considered a, uh, 
a big uh, German box office draw at the time. So they decided to, to give him his uh, due credit here. I like the fact that we see that Roger is in handcuffs. You know, they, they don't want to take any any chances with him. They're taking all precautions possible. Mm-hmm. I also thought it was interesting. Um, I feel like nowadays, if this scene was to take to the movie, his hands would be behind him. the door would... The door would... What? His hands would be Oh, I, w- I didn't even think about that. What I was going to say was, when as soon as the door opens, he would be being shoved through the yes. door. Like there would be some violence with which he is brought into this room. But they sort of just, like, have a stare down, and then he walks right. in. It's, it's as so, if they, they leave him standing in the doorway for a few extra seconds so that Preeson can take it in yeah. of what just has happened. Because Preeson has a very, very happy look on his face. Mm-hmm. He lets out a big sigh. He's quite joyous. And we see that he gets to fold his hands across his, you know, across yeah. one another as Roger and, and Steiner. 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 Uh, Carl Otto Alberti, you know, walking towards uh, the desk. I mean, I love the layout of this room. It looks like this is, you know, maybe it was either filmed or took place in some sort of castle or things look very antique. You know, you have the the antique chair against the, you know, near the door. You have what looks like a a cupboard on the left-hand side. The the lamps on top, you know, hanging down from the ceiling look also a little more antique with the way that they, mm-hmm. they show it. So I, I like the way that they, they lay out this room. You know, because we, we don't know where it takes place. So the question is, is, is yeah, this something... Yeah, that's true. You know, is this type of place which, uh, you know, the Gestapo headquarters are, or is this something that's just being used temporarily along the way? Yeah, yeah. My first note about the setting was... my <laughs> The first thing I wrote was, could you get... Is there any way you can get a more depressing office? Because <laughs> it's very, like, dark and concrete. Um, and, but then the, like, I immediately wrote after that, I was like, I guess they, the point is that they want to be secluded, like, like they are the Gestapo after all. So even if it's a temporary station for them, they still don't want like people to walk by and look in the window, you know, and be like, oh, well, the Gestapo are in the office today. Right. But on the other hand, they (laughs) they probably, you're right. I I definitely agree with what you're, what you said there, but I think also that, that the idea that this may be a dungeon is is more to intimidate the prisoners when they come in. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, with, no, with, uh, both both work. Yeah, like yeah. What you said and what I said. I mean, they, they they go hand in hand. It reminds me of the. Um, it actually reminds me of the uh, room that. Did you watch the Mandalorian? Yes. It reminds me of the room that he meets the. Oh, the, I don't know what the name of the actor is. He meets the old guy who sends him to get Baby Yoda. Oh, and that's uh, like a concrete room. Werner Herzog. Yeah. So this this room reminds me of that room, which I thought was sort of funny. That's actually interesting. Because, like, all the places I, I on assume that, it's not the same set. <laughs> yeah, probably not. You think they shot this, uh, they shot The Great Escape in a big LED, uh, uh, big exactly. 360 LED. That's why it looks so good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, it depends on what copy you have, but yeah. <laughs> Um, oh wow okay do you have anything else for this minute yeah um let's see oh just it's a very interesting one thing this movie does which most good movies do is what screen writers talk about which is showing and not telling um so showing the audience um this narrative instead of just having the dialogue explain it um and i think the example 
this scene's a good example, or at least this minute we got, because um, almost everything that happens in the minute we're looking at is nonverbal. Like, there's there, there's yes. the phone call, but it's in German, so, like, I don't know, like, I didn't know what he was saying before you told me. Um, and so you have to assume by his body language and his excitedness and the fact that he avoids telling his boss what he's excited about before he pages the person in. Like, you have to read all that to understand what's happening. And then, obviously, the body language between Roger when the door opens and the bad guy sitting uh, at his desk. Um, And then, even further into the minute, near the end, where the guy goes, which is like, (laughs) you couldn't really consider that verbal either, but it's obviously satisfaction. Um, Yes. So... I just, yeah, no, I mean, the, the, all the actors here do, just give a great, do a great job in this scene showing us everything that, that's going on without having to actually say it. Mm-hmm. I mean, next week we'll get more into the, the whole conversation about what Preston actually says, because as he opens his mouth to begin speaking, that's when this minute actually mm-hmm. ends. I went and I did some more research about the real event, which you probably have already talked about quite a bit. Um um, seeing as we're pretty far in the movie, but I always, like I said, I watched, I first watched this with my father when I was a kid. Um, and we had a VHS, um, we had it on VHS and since mm-hmm. it's three hours long, it's a double VHS set. Um, yep. and, um, uh, anyway, when, when I was a kid, I always thought it was a fake story. Um, like, I never, I don't think I ever read the stuff at the beginning or the end where it talks about, you know, it okay. being a true story. Because um, that's not really something, you don't pay attention to words in a movie when you're a kid, like, that are written on the screen. Yeah, there are a lot of yeah, things so, that don't do either. So anyway, right. I, I think it was quite a while I thought that this, this movie was, like, obviously World War II happened, but, like, this story of these men getting out of a prisoner of war camp. I thought it was just sort of like a dream, like a movie. Somebody was like, Oh, this would be cool if it had happened. Um, and so I think, I don't know when I got saw there's, there's multiple documentaries about it, but I think I saw one where they actually went back and uh, revisited the camp, the remnants of the camp. Um, and like looked at, so saw if they could find any tunnels that were left. Um, and I don't think they found much. But, um, so I just, like, that's just, I just think it's ironic that I always thought it was not true. (laughs) Um, and then another thing that I thought was crazy about the real part, which we talked about at the beginning of the week, was that it happened in, like, the coldest winter Poland had had in, like, who knows how many years or something. Yeah. And I was like, I can't imagine, like, trying to do, like... Like, I'm from the Midwest, and, like, I can't imagine anything in the coldest winters we've had, like, like for leisure. And so I don't, like, I'm, I think it's incredible to imagine possibly how many of them would have got out if it hadn't been winter. Yeah. Like, or, like, how far they would have made it. Like, it's really unfortunate that that happened. Um, but, um... Is that the same? So is that the same winter that like 
Germany tried to attack Russia and everybody no, died. No, in no, that cold. was 1942. That's a different winter. This winter, 1944. Okay. It was even before D-Day. So, I mean, that, that's the okay. interesting thing. The, in the original story, this happened okay. before D-Day, but in the movie, uh, it happens after D-Day. Interesting. Even though they don't mention anything about D-Day because, I mean, we know that it's after D-Day because, because of the whole July 4th yeah. celebrations. That makes sense. So that's interesting, the way that you place when, when this took place. When when the story uh, when the movie takes place as opposed to when the original story took place uh, a few months earlier. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, and I think the last thing I have to say is this movie, for better or worse, um, increased my ability to be good at lying. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I think what the main scene that I hold on to from this movie. And it's sort of ironic that I got the minutes that it happened in is where he gets caught saying thank you on the bus. Like, I think that was the most, like that's the scene I can remember most vividly from this movie from the first times I watched it. Cause I was like, it's so, it's such a jar that they get caught. Cause that whole scene you're like, Oh, they made it. Or like, oh, they've got this, you know. They're getting on the bus, and then he messes it up because he falls out of character. And that's the way they. That's the way they keep I the think, suspense going because they make you think that that everything's fine yeah. when, in reality, it apparently is not. And so I think the impact of seeing someone fail at such a like moment's importance to like keep the facade is like. I don't know. Um, I'm not proud of being a good liar, but I, I think it's definitely, um, I don't know. I think it's really just, they, they nailed it in this movie. Um, and yeah, so I'm, thanks for having me on this week. Um, and glad I got to talk about that minute because, um, that one does, that minute like means to me. Wow. So. so you see, it's divine providence that that's what you got. <laughs> yeah, it had to have been. This is the first time that that that, that I've had a, you know someone, one of their guests, tell me that you know that that they somehow got some of the best minutes that they would have that they would have wanted, yeah. even though it was all randomly done, you know, without having to ask for it. Now that I'm you know, thinking about it, um, I think the reason it, it, I took so much from it when I was little was because that's a scene that a kid can understand. Like yes. you can understand as soon as he double takes after he says that, that he did something wrong. <laughs> like, yes. like, like every kid has that feeling when they're trying to get away with something and they don't, um, of like, Oh shoot. I, you know, it didn't work out. Um, I'm going to get in trouble now. And so it's like, I think that's why it was so impactful. And then it's funny. Cause the only other scene I remember, like that I had of from when I first watched it is when he throws the baseball over the wire at the inning. Mm-hmm. Um, and that must just be because kids like baseball or like I like sports because for some reason that's him having a baseball is also very memorable to me. So, oh, well, okay. anyway, great. Now, have you ever told your father that, that uh, you appreciate him showing you this movie as a kid? So you were able to hone your, your skills at deceiving. People? I have not. <laughs> Well, now you can tell. Yeah, him. you're right. I it's been very. It's, Hopefully, he will be a proud father to yeah, do that. It's funny. It's just been a very, like, whenever I do this for even for National Treasure, it's just, 
it's very, I mean, I'm sure you realize this, but it's very introspective for you, like as a person. Um, cause you're, you're not only like in, you're not only looking through it and taking notes on what's happening in the movie. You're like associating the times of your life that you went through and you watched the movie, you know? Yes. And so completely. I guess that's why everybody loves this medium so much. Um, but I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that's the reason. Yeah. All right. Well, do you want to once again for the final time tell people I can get in touch with you in order to get great designs by you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you want to, uh, any design work, um, you can find my portfolio at hughkeen.com. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook or Instagram. Um, you can find me in the Star Wars Minute Listener Society, which is um, somewhere where you should be to pay your respects to the. Uh, creators um and yeah pete now <laughs> so pete now alex, alex was on this months ago he, awesome. he, did, he did one episode nice in the middle episode 71 yeah. if I remember. and then um you're welcome to come listen to national treasure minute which you can find on moviesbyminutes.com i think is the address for the main site um, so yeah mm-hmm yeah, I mean, as of as of recording, there are over 200 Movies by Minute podcasts that are currently going on, and since we're recording this months in advance, that number hopefully yeah. has grown exponentially ever since then. Just this way people will know more or less when, when this was yeah, recorded. Yeah, there'll probably be like 40 more Star Wars movies by then, so. <laughs> Who knows? You never know. I don't, I don't think Pete and Alex will... will We'll be able to, to, to get 40 more podcasts uh, done in the, that amount of time. We're not, we're not talking years. Uh, yeah. You can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcast you're using to listen to this show. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. Our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. Our email address is minute at gmail.com. And our Twitter account is greatescapemxm. So hopefully everyone will have a great weekend. Once again, thank you, Hugh, for, for joining us this week. It's been a lot of fun. Hopefully you enjoyed yourself too. Yep. It was great. All right. Until Monday, tally-ho. Tally-ho.